It's Thursday, April 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Happy Thursday. Thank you. How exciting is it in the Motley Fool Asset Management office when it is this time of year? And by this time of year, I mean earnings palooza. Is it frenzied? Is it hectic? Is is there excitement? What's going on amongst you and the other people at Motley Fool Asset Management? No, it's not frenzied. You know, I think that uh, of course everything sort of comes out uh, after hours or before hours. So usually there's plenty of time to digest everything, uh, especially the after hours reports. It's uh, more fun. There's more sort of uh, real information since we uh, invest based on. Earnings, you know, the long-term cash flows that a business is is capable of providing shareholders, and the earnings reports give you more information about that than just about anything else. You know, quarterly earnings should be measured as in terms of how much they mean. They don't always mean as much as it seems, but they are about earnings, and that's what we're investing for. So the frenzied scenes from movies like Wall Street—that's not really necessarily what's going on. Well, the, the Wall Streets—they're not frenzied about earnings reports. I, I mean, if you go true. back and watch; it's about rumors, right? It's about conjecture. Like, look, that thing is moving. Uh, what's up? And and then there's a lot of uh, frenetic uh, guessing. And and I think that probably—I don't know if that. Is a good representation of the way any office on Wall Street worked back in the day. It may or may not be. I wasn't there to, to see it, but it, it, go back and look. It is not look at this quarterly earnings report. It's Blue Horseshoe loves Facebook, and Blue Horseshoe loves Chipotle. In fact, I think Bud Fox uh, comes and pitches uh, Gecko his idea on the real earnings of a company, and, and he's got this idea that he has done fundamental research on. And then it it misses or something, and it it's and Gecko says that's like, a dog with fleas. Yeah, we're done. We're done with that kind of thing. Go get me a rumor. Let's get to actual earnings, and we'll start with Facebook and Chipotle. Um, and we've talked about Facebook so much recently. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but in terms of the actual earnings of this company, first quarter they posted record revenue, and as much as anything, what caught my attention was the fact that. The amount of cash on hand that Facebook has, has, which is a lot, has doubled in the past two years. Sure. Um, the pile of cash is the result, of course, of their earnings. What catches my eye, just going down their year-over-year results, um, uh, advertising revenue up 50%, total revenue up 49%, income up 64%, net income 63%, diluted earnings per share up 63%. Those are hard, hard to believe numbers for a company uh, the size of Facebook to throw 60% bottom line growth uh, at, at any point uh, at the size that it is. And so that is. Um, the story of why the cash pile is growing. How do you how do you spend all that money? Now they're going to spend some of it going forward on compliance on on hiring hiring well hiring and for in part not just but in part for trying to be a little bit more compliant with what the regulations may be coming. Right. So, for anyone who, and I saw a little bit of this reaction this morning when I was looking online, for anyone who is taking the tack of, well, 
that's all behind them. That whole Cambridge Analytical thing, that's completely behind it. Well, no, not really, because hiring takes time. They're going to be staffing up. They're going to be spending on compliance. That will, in a way, this quarter, as impressive as it is, is not necessarily reflective of the work that remains to be done at Facebook with regards to what happened with Cambridge Analytica. It's almost like the quarterly results six months from now, nine months from now, are maybe going to give us a clearer sense of just how much money, they, in addition to what they're spending now, how much more they're going to be spending. Yeah, they'll keep making money, and the quarterly report just came out has yeah no cannot capture the problems that will ultimately arise out of the Cambridge Analytica because that was so late in the quarter and you know there in terms of the bottom line it may be far less of an effect than than people have feared but I I can't you know regardless of what it is I don't think that sixty percent bottom line growth is something to uh, to expect for any longer because they've got to make some changes to the business. Let's move on to Chipotle. First quarter revenue came in higher than expected. How good was this quarter? Because the stock is up twenty three percent this morning, and I'm wondering if. We're maybe seeing some combination of this is these were good results, and also our expectations were really low because their same store sales are positive, but they're two point two percent positive, and that's for those who have just started paying attention to Chipotle in the last couple of years. There was a decent stretch, go back maybe five years or so, where if Chipotle wasn't putting up double digit comps. People would look around and say, "Oh my God, can you believe they only put up nine percent same store sales growth? What's wrong with them?" And now we're throwing them a parade over two point two percent. Yeah, in comparison with Facebook, this is a rather stark illustration of the degree to which, on a you know quarterly basis, following a report. The stock move is not reflective of the pure numbers, but the numbers against the expectation of the numbers. And so, revenue up seven percent, seven point four percent year over year. Comp stores up two point two percent. Margins improved a little bit, which is good because the decline in the margins has been a major part of the story. It's an effect of fewer people going through the restaurant and. Also, higher labor costs, uh, all of which has resulted in part uh, benefiting uh, from the, the tax cuts as well. 33% uh, diluted earnings per share increase. So, stock up 22%, 23%, whatever it is, right at the moment, uh, is really not in line with those 2% comp increase. 7% total revenue increase, but we had gotten used to very low expectations for the company. I'll also say that given the raised share price, Chipotle, once again, you've got to say, well, why is it trading for quite that high a multiple? Because we're getting back to, I don't know, 50, 60 times earnings. There does seem to be near universal praise for the new CEO, Brian Nickel, and the way he handled the call, not just in terms of the questions he was asked, but also 
the direction that he's looking to take the company in, and, and he seemed to be pretty steady and very clear-eyed about sort of the challenges that they face and and what they want to do in terms of expanding on things like digital sales, which were a, a decent bright spot in this latest quarterly report. Digital sales up 20% year over year. That's not enormous, but if they can continue to move in that direction, that's going to help them. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, as we often touch on, he's got an easy act to follow uh, in terms of the quarterly conference call delivery, uh, and and to have a vision and to have, uh, in particular, I think a vision of how to uh, rework the advertising, and that plays to his strengths with. Uh, when you think of how much advertising a part is a part and was a part of his work at Taco Bell, uh, as compared to what Chipotle has chosen to do, it, it had really gone a long way with very little, uh, at least on-air advertising. You see more print advertising for Chipotle, but there's a lot of uh, room to expand the, the mindshare by if you've got a vision for how to go about the advertising. So, restaurants were very much in the news this morning, not just because of Chipotle's results, but because of uh, Jim Chanos, the, the famed short seller who came out this morning on CNBC and talked about, among other things, his short position in Dunkin' Brands and uh, QSR, uh, Restaurant Brands, which is the parent company of Burger King and Tim Hortons, and, and talking about how, well, nobody's really going to restaurants. Like it was, it was a little bit of a combination of, well, this is a valuation. I think Dunkin' Brands and, and, uh, and QSR are a little too pricey. And also, I, I don't think people are really going to restaurants. And it's like, okay, but. And, and by the way, he also shared that he's held these short positions for about a year. So I guess he's being public with them now, maybe in the hopes that the stocks will start heading south because. I haven't looked at QSR, but Duncan Brand stock over the past year is up somewhere in the neighborhood of 12-15% or so. Yeah, and we don't know exactly when he would have started shorting, you know, around a year is a round figure, so maybe he's done better than that, maybe he's done worse, and I think that QSR has done Worse if he's been short for a full year than I think he has made money on the short position there. Not a lot of money, and the short portion of the assets that he manages, I think, had a rough year, as one would suspect. Last year, I think they were down, lost 12% on the short portfolio from what I read earlier today, which is not necessarily terrible because the market was up more than that. But that's not making money. That's not demonstrating, on a one-year basis, some expertise at, at shorting in that particular year. He made his name on things like shorting Enron, though, uh, which probably made a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah, so probably. The restaurants, uh, you know, they they were uh, getting hit a lot harder middle of last year, much like uh, some other aspects to retail. Uh, have made a bit of a comeback, and uh, you know the the numbers for restaurants are not bad. Domino's had a great quarter that it just reported today, uh, much better than uh, Chipotle's. The stock is up uh, nicely, but not twenty two percent nicely. I think it's up six or seven percent or something like that. But no, but over the past three years, it's done a hell of a lot better than Chipotle shares have done. Yeah. So Patrick Doyle is. <laughs> The CEO of Domino's steps down, I think, in June, 
I, I think this, if this is not his last quarter, I think it, it's either his last quarter as CEO or his second to last quarter as CEO. And he is going out with a bang. And he is ending one of the great runs a CEO could have. Yeah. Uh, for the most recent quarter, the comps were up 8%. And uh, boy, that. Uh, that takes care of itself when you can do that for any prolonged period of time. And of course, that's how Chipotle got as pricey as it did, was doing even better than that for a long period of time. And when you start looking out ahead and compounding teen level comps, you get to huge numbers. And that's how Chipotle was being measured. It made some sense to measure Chipotle that way. Um, and we owned it for a while in uh, the mutual fund that I helped manage. And so uh, I'm not going to say that we saw the problems ahead because they really came out of left field in terms of initiating from the, uh, the health problems, uh, health scares, and, and then compounding again and again with the, the additional uh, outbreaks that they had. So we didn't see that coming. Uh, but Perhaps we should have been more cautious uh, about the possibility of something really compounding comps the way that Chipotle was doing up until that period of time. I'll just say, and this is not particularly important in terms of what his actual job is, it's, it's slightly important, I suppose, but Jim Chanos, I kind of like him on TV. He comes off as, as much more affable than sort of the average short seller who is who oftentimes uh, someone who has a little bit of an an edge to him or her, and is, um, I don't know, in some cases, literally pounding the table about, oh, this, this is why this company is going to zero. Yeah, no, he's not. Well, he, I think he did talk about a couple of companies later on in his CNBC appearance today that could go to zero, and I don't know that he was pounding the table. He certainly wasn't putting Duncan and. Uh, uh, QSR in that category, uh, but uh, you were saying you'd be willing you'd be willing to go out to dinner with this guy, spend an hour at dinner. Yeah, Chano seems like so. If he's listening, <laughs> you're available. You you would even treat uh, I, Duncan. You love Duncan. Take him to Duncan for some. I'm happy to take coffee, him to Duncan. If, if we're perhaps talk, a donut. If we're yes, but if we're talking about actual dinner. I'm going to just go out on a limb and guess that Jim Chanos has more spending cash than I do. So hopefully, if we're going to you're dinner, the one trying to get this or arrange this dinner with him. I'm just I mean, saying, he's he, maybe maybe he's a fan. He's been listening and he's uh, thinking Chris he'll be willing to have dinner with me. I'll pay for that. I'm saying you would be willing to pay buy him a donut, cup of coffee, if it comes to that. I would be, but you know how from time to time we will say we will refer to something as. Um, Having a non-zero chance. There's a non-zero chance that X could happen. What you just laid out in terms of Jim Chanos listening to this podcast and thinking to himself at any point, I think I'd like to go to dinner with a guy. I'm going to go ahead and say zero chance. I'm putting that in the zero chance category. Let's move on because it is earnings palooza. O'Reilly Automotive. I don't know about you. I was a little surprised by this one. First quarter profits higher than expected. They raised guidance for the full fiscal year, and shares of O'Reilly are up. That's that's about as good as it gets, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of any business and an earnings report. Is here are the numbers we just finished up, and oh by the way, we feel even better about the full fiscal year. 
Yeah, the comps were up uh, 3.4%, which is good and certainly better than people were uh, beginning to fear in the uh, automotive parts market. Uh, if you go back to last summer, there was uh, just uh, sort of momentary panic uh, regarding all, all retail, and it landed on the auto parts retailers in part because of some headlines that Amazon was getting more aggressive in the space. And so the Unbelievably beautiful uh, up and to the right chart of O'Reilly in particular and AutoZone as well, although not quite as beautiful a chart, uh, really was uh, interrupted. And back in the summer, and they they lost, I don't know, 30, 40 percent perhaps uh, from their highs. And uh, O'Reilly's reasonably close after today's move of getting back and and I guess. Today, making it seem like uh, they've got a more sustainable growth, uh, at least in the short and inter intermediate term. Uh, a lot of what is in the report today is is decent numbers, not amazing numbers, not the kind of things that you would expect to land a better than 10% uh, increase in the stock price. But uh, I think that some of the uh, fears are evaporating that they're about to be rolled over by Amazon. We've talked before about AutoZone, and one of the points you've always made is, is just what a uh, methodical job that company's management team does in terms of buying back shares. The beautiful chart you referred to with O'Reilly, to what extent, if any, is that attributed to share buybacks? I can't imagine they are as consistent about it as AutoZone is. A decent chunk of it is from buybacks, but not to the degree AutoZone takes it to kind of an extreme, and that has worked out well. For shareholders to date, uh, for AutoZone, O'Reilly has uh, certainly so they they had three percent comps, twenty eight percent in uh, diluted earnings uh, for the quarter, and a lot of that was share price. A lot of it was taxes. So uh, they have been buying back not not the aggressive uh, pace that AutoZone has had, but I think that they've bought about eight billion dollars back in the last uh, seven years, something like that. I want to say, uh, and that's uh, they were buying back again this quarter. They made a point of that uh, in their quarterly report that they bought back. Uh, I think uh, half a billion dollars in the last quarter, and uh, another uh, half a million shares since the end of the quarter. So they're they're looking at that as a a chunk of of their earnings per share growth. That uh, the store uh, store openings is not as big a part as uh, as it used to be. Long term, is this an industry? And by long term, I mean more than ten years. So forget the next zero to ten years for O'Reilly Automotive, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts. But ten years and beyond, is this an industry you feel pretty bullish on? Because some have made the case that a ripple effect of decreased auto sales and decreased auto ownership is going to be less of a need for businesses like this. Well, here's where you would you would get. Bullish. I think that in the O'Reilly report, uh, they talk about. Okay, here it is. Uh, 
from uh, from the CEO Hensley. Uh, we believe that the long-term dri- drivers for demand in our industry remain intact, including a growing and aging vehicle fleet that is driven over. And I'm going to leave this number blank for a second. Miles each year, so that the total fleet driven uh, each year. More importantly, we are confident in our ability to continue to gain market share. Uh, blah 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 blah. Service. How many miles do you think the the U.S. fleet drives in a year? Like per, per like the average per person? No, no, the, all the cars out there. Oh, that's you're making me do large math. Yes, I am. Uh, 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 Nobody told you there was going to be math involved. It was, it was my understanding <laughs> there would be no math. Uh, go ahead and just share it. Three trillion. Seems like a big number. Yeah, that's enough times to like drive to the sun and back. A bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, you want to make sure your AC is working, though. Yeah, so that's where uh, there are a lot of cars driving a lot of miles, and they break down, and they uh, the cars themselves last a lot longer than they used to. the The fleet gets older and older and older because uh, they're I can't remember what the average uh, vehicle on the road is now, but it's it's higher than it's ever been uh, because they're better made and you don't just throw a car away uh, anymore. And so they've got a lot of parts that they're able to help people uh, replace as they age. And over the long term, uh, yes, if uh, autonomous vehicles and electrical uh, cars are the norm in ten years, then uh, the business model is going to change drastically for O'Reilly. I I don't know. There was a lot of uh, interest in that um, last year. That was another part of it. Uh, people looking ahead and thinking the autonomous vehicles might be coming sooner than expected. Uh, there are a lot of differing opinions on that, but uh, it, it's going to happen over time. Uh, so I think that that is a problem for O'Reilly, but they've they've shown a lot of ability to adapt. All right, we'll move from one mode of transportation to the other. Royal Caribbean posted record earnings in the first quarter. Why are the shares down today? This is this is not a stock. Royal Caribbean shares have not lit the world on fire over the past twelve months. I mean, it, I think it's barely in the positive column. So it's I don't look at this. Company and think, gosh, that's a pricey stock. So, why the drop today? Well, uh, first of all, you know it's up about fourteen percent year over year over the last twelve months. That's not that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, not as not as much as some other things, but hey, most people are happy with fourteen percent a year. Slightly more than half of what Chipotle is doing this morning. Uh, although much better than Chipotle has done over the last, I don't know. True. You go exactly twelve months back. I don't know exactly what Chipotle share price was. Good year for for Royal Caribbean. Um, why the weakness today? They missed a little bit on the top line. The earnings per share uh, did well, better than expected. But there are some increased costs that they're pointing to, including fuel, which is a major component for. Moving one of these things, it takes a lot of fuel to move the size vehicle that they are producing. Vessel. It's not a vehicle. It's It's not a vessel. It's a. It's a a boat. It's a large. You could drive some pretty big vehicles on their vessels, though. They're unbelievably big. They really are. And uh, you were just telling me this morning they have. Do they have a new one? They they they've rolled out some new. Monstrosity of a of a vessel that is, 
Yeah, I think it's the Symphony of the Seas is the newest uh, record breaker for largest um, cruise boat in, in the world, and it's got uh, I don't know, like a. Uh, you can go hunting on it and stuff, or something. I don't know. It's got a reasonably sized velt uh, with uh, African game animals or something. I, I I don't believe that's. It true. doesn't. It doesn't have that. Although it has a big like Central Park thing that's got like twenty thousand plants or something like that on on in the middle of the boat. Is that so? You've done more of the cruise stuff than I have. I've done one. Uh, that's one more than I've done. Okay. Um, in the last twenty years, uh, is that a plus? Are, is that what people are looking for to be able to say I went on the largest boat? Because at some point, I could just see, and I'll just speak for myself personally. At some point, uh, there's a limit to how big I want the boat to be. At some point, really? Yeah. At some what point, is that? What is that point? I don't know. It's not the largest one, though. I mean, this this Symphony of the Seas, which is five times the size of the Titanic, the actual Titanic. And I get that it's probably better made, better put together, but that's that's a little that's a little scary. Titanic would be like a VW bug yeah. now. It, 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 would, it would not be able to get away with that name. How great would that be? Mini. Though? It would be the Mini, like the Mini Cooper. Do you think that would be? Do you think that would be a a positive or a negative if Royal Caribbean came out, or or one of these others, Carnival Cruise Lines came out? And it's the new largest vessel. And they came out and they said, you know what we're naming this thing? 21st Century Titanic, or just some version of Titanic. The word Titanic is in there. I think that would be a plus. You do. Yeah. You are not familiar with the uh, superstitious nature of, of sailors. No, I guess I'm Despite not. Despite growing up on the ocean. I, I I didn't grow up on the ocean. I grew up on a coast. Yeah, the East Coast. Well, so did you. By that, well, <laughs> the ocean is what was on the coast. We have friends who grew up in Chicago, and they were closer to the water than you were in northern in northeastern Pennsylvania, and I was in central Maine. Northeastern Pennsylvania. Get your geography right. Where do you think Where do you think Philadelphia is? Isn't it in sort of the northeast ish? No, no. How? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's your state, man. I don't. I don't expect me to know everything about your it's the state. Southeast, is it? Northeast is is way way up there. You have a little bit of disdain in your voice when you refer to the northeast. I have disdain of for your geography. That's what I have disdain for. What were we talking about? You're not, no, nobody wants to name something the Titanic Part Two. You don't think so? No. Go ahead and try it. Sell that business plan. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think there would be. What what's the attraction? Oh, maybe I'll run into uh, Leonardo DiCaprio here. What, like, what are the positive connotations that you are hoping for to to use in your advertisements? Because run run this ad for me. Because all you have to do is, if you're Royal Caribbean or Carnival or whoever has this, but all you have to do is have one success. That first trip, as long as that's a success. Curse broken, and all you superstitious sailors out there can relax. Yeah, it's like being on the Titanic, but bigger and hopefully safer. Exactly. Exactly. That's not going to happen again, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're in the Caribbean. We're not up where there are icebergs. Uh, it's tr- it would be hard. It would be hard to tackle an iceberg um, in the Caribbean. But if you're doing a transatlantic crossing, which they still they still do, uh, then then maybe you could you could find that. I guess. 
Do you think we're done with the uh, actual business part of Royal Caribbean? Uh, you and I? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay. Feels like it. <laughs> it really does feel like it. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.